All right. Uh, let's go ahead and open up our Bibles, please, at the book of Colossians, chapter 4. We're going to be beginning a brand new uh, chapter in the book of Colossians. Colossians, chapter 4. And I'm going to start reading at verses 1 through 4. Let's pray and ask for our Lord's blessing on the word of the Lord here tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, again, Lord, we thank you for those that are here tonight. We ask you now, Father, to bless the reading of your word. Anoint it, Lord God. Give it life. I pray for myself that you will help me, Father, to just speak boldly, Lord God, and to speak your truth. Organize my thoughts and my words that they would come from you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, Amen. Praise God. Okay, let me go ahead and read to you what it says here in Colossians chapter 4, starting at verses 1 through 4. It says this, Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. That last verse right there, I just prayed for myself that God will help me to proclaim the Word of God right here, right now. The same prayer has been going on for years and years and years. Now, last week we concluded with Colossians chapter 3, the last two verses of Colossians chapter 3. And let's quickly just go over that very quickly. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 24 and 25, which are the last verses in the book of Colossians chapter 3, it says this, Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. We learn that after we become Christians, how we serve Christ here on earth and how we live our lives here on earth will determine what rewards we receive when we get to heaven. How many of you like getting rewards? Anybody else but me? All of us, we all should enjoy getting rewards. Well, guess what? God says there will be rewards for you and I who are his children in heaven, depending on how we live our lives here on earth and what we do here with our lives here on earth. Not only is our service going to be evaluated, but the attitude that we had will be evaluated. The motive that we had in our hearts will be evaluated. The thoughts and intents of the heart will be evaluated. First Corinthians chapter three, verses eight and nine says this, the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose and they each and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. First Corinthians chapter three, verses 13 through 15 says this, their work will be shown for what it is because a day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved. Verse, verse 13 tells us that when we get to heaven, all of our works will be evaluated by going through a holy fire. And the fire will determine the motive and intent of our, of our hearts when we did our works for the Lord. Verse 14 says this, that 
If we serve Christ with a motive to please God and bring glory to God, we will receive a reward. It will pass through that fire. If you are sincere, even tonight, thank God that you're in church tonight. Thank God that you're watching uh, on the online services, on the live stream services tonight. All that is good. But what is the attitude of our heart? Because that's also very, very important. It says in verse 14, if we're doing it for the glory of God because we love Jesus, that's great. But verse 15 tells us that if we're serving Christ with a desire to or motive to bring glory to ourselves or to bring attention to ourselves or to receive the praise of men, uh, these works will be bl- burned up that we will not receive rewards for these because we're doing it for ourselves instead of for the glory of God. We learned that God will evaluate our work based on our ability. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 and 15, it says this. Again, it will be like a man going to, on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Again, it's very, very important for you and I not to compare ourselves to anyone else. If you sing for the Lord, don't compare how you sing to somebody else. If you preach for Jesus, don't compare how you preach to somebody else. If you're ushering, don't compare yourself to anybody else. Whatever you do for Jesus, you just do the best that you can as for yourself according to what God has given you. And don't worry or compare yourself to anybody else. Can you say amen to that, church? Okay? God will reward us for being willing to stay faithful when facing persecution. Matthew 5, 11 and 12 says this. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. We're talking about the types of rewards or how we can get rewarded. And uh, God will reward us if we respond correctly to our enemies. All of us have haters. All of us have people, sadly, that want to see us go down. In Proverbs chapter 25, verse 21 and 22, it says this, If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. So be nice to your enemies and God will reward you. We will be rewarded for being kind and generous to the poor. In Proverbs 19, 17, it says this, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. You cannot give God. You cannot be too generous. When you see someone in need and you bless them, guess what? You're actually rewarding yourself. You're investing in yourself or in your own eternal reward. God will reward reward us when we fast, when we go without food. Matthew 6, verses 17 and 18. But when you fast, Put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. God will reward us for how we treat ministry leaders. Matthew chapter 10, verse 41 
and 42. So please don't talk behind my back. Don't stab me in the back. Don't be talking mean about Pastor Jerry or about Pastor Julie, because if you do, you're going to lose your reward. Say nice things about Pastor Jerry. Encourage Pastor Jerry, and God will reward you for it. It says, whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. We will be rewarded for keeping and honoring God's word. You know why you're here tonight? You're not here because of me. You're not here because of anybody else. You're here because you want to hear the word of God. And for you having a desire to hear and be instructed in the word of God, guess what? God's going to reward you for that. It says this in Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving life to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold. This word here, this word that we have in our hands or on your phone systems, it is precious, more precious than gold. Gold is just metal. Silver is just metal. Dollars are just made out of paper. But this is more precious than even gold. It says they are more precious than gold than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Listen to what it says here. We also learn that God is not going to overlook the actions and motives of those who are evil or who do wrong. Listen, as you see people around you and they're doing evil things or involved with evil things and it looks like they're getting away with it, it looks like they're not getting penalized, it looks like they're not getting caught, it looks like they're not going to get fired or, or, or in trouble. No, no, no. Don't fool yourselves. God says he's keeping track of everything that's going on here. In John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29, it says this, Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Jeremiah 17, 10, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. Now, one thing that we didn't discuss last week was the fact that there are certain individuals that will receive crowns as rewards in heaven. There's a crown called the victor's crown, and that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 25 through 27. I'm just going to read the scripture that describes these crowns because it would take a long time to go through the teaching of it. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 25 through 27 says this, Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly, I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the price. You know what's so good about the Lord? God will reward you 
or give you a crown just for finishing the race. Normally, when there's a race and people are competing, only first place gets the first place. Only second place gets the second place. And only third place gets the third place. Everyone is left out. But you know what God says? Just finish the race. Just be faithful and finish the race. Even when you get tired, even when you get burnt out, even when you get hurt, even if people stab you in the back, even when you want to give up and don't want to run. No, just finish the race. Just be faithful and do your job and finish the race and you will receive a crown. I think that's a pretty good deal, church. The second crown is a crown of rejoicing. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, verse 19. Can you rejoice even though things are falling apart in your life? Can you praise Jesus even though things are going wrong? Can you celebrate Jesus and your faith even though you've just lost your job or you're sick? Listen, that's the crown of rejoicing. First Thessalonians 2:19. For what is our hope? or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Number three, the crown of righteousness. Second Timothy chapter four, verse eight. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Listen, when you and I get tempted and we choose what is right instead of what is wrong, all of us get tempted. All of us have our flesh. All of us have desires. All of us have passions. All of us have needs. All of us are, are in this battle of the spirit over the, over the flesh. And when you choose to follow the spirit because you want to be right before God, God says, I'm going to reward you for that. Because God knows how powerful our flesh is and how hard it is to deny our flesh. And he says, for denying your flesh, for crucifying your flesh, I'm going to reward you for that with the crown of righteousness. Number four, the crown of life, the martyr's crown. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, having stood the test. That person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. These are people that are going through persecution, going through torture, going through awful, terrible things in their life. And we see this in foreign countries, in, in, in those that Muslim nations, uh, uh, in, uh, Buddhist nations, Hindu nations, where Christianity is outlawed. Revelation 2.10 talks about the crown of life. It says this, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days be faithful until death and i will give you the crown of life then there's a crown of glory this is for ministers and leaders in the church first peter 5 4 it says to the elders among you these are our elders the leaders the ministers of the church i appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed be shepherds of god's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade 
away. Our sister, Mickey Thompson, she just passed away. She was a faithful Sunday school teacher for many, many years. Guess what? She will receive the crown of glory for her work in the ministry. That's for her. Now let's go on to Colossians chapter 4, verse 1, which is our main scripture for tonight. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Now, we've been talking about this the last few weeks. Mainly, it was referring to slavery that was legal in those days. And, and we in the United States are even guilty of allowing slavery in the early years of our nation. And right now, we're still suffering the consequences of those decisions and the heartache and the prejudice and the racial tension. And uh, there's people, you know, coming against the blacks. And there's people coming against now the, the Asians and, and beating them up because of the corona thing and the, blaming it on, on China. And there's all, you know, this prejudice thing, this racial thing is a very, very sad situation. But listen, we need to pray for our country and we need to pray that God would bring healing in reference to all these things. But listen, it says here, masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. If we want our God to reward us fairly for our labor here on earth for him, then as Christians, whenever you or I are in a position where we employ the help of someone, the Bible is instructing us to pay the person who did some work for us with fair wages. That's why we have minimum wage laws in the United States. Why? Because it's our human nature. It's our human it's our human nature and it's, and it's our corrupt nature to shortchange people and not pay them what they deserve. So that's why we have to have laws to force us to pay people what they deserve. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Okay. And so God is saying here, listen, pay people what they deserve. If they worked, pay them for that work. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27, it says this, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Listen, if you're in a position that you can hire somebody and actually pay them, the only reason you're in that position is because God gave you the money to be able to hire someone and pay them. We need to appreciate what God does for us, church, and not be greedy with it, okay? Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 36 in the New Living Translation says this. Your scales and weights must be accurate. Your containers for measuring dry materials or liquids must be accurate. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Ezekiel chapter 45, verse 10, it says this. Use only honest weights and scales and honest measures, both dry and and liquid. Proverbs 16, 11 says this, honest scales and balances belong to the Lord. All the weights in the bag are of his making. Now, how does the Lord feel about people being cheated? Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1. The Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. Proverbs 20, 23. The Lord detests Differing weights and dishonest scales do not please him. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 13. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker 
overnight. Deuteronomy 24, verses 14 and 15. Do not take advantage of a hired worker who is poor and needy, whether that worker is a fellow Israelite or a foreigner residing in your own towns. Pay them their wages each day before sunset because they are poor and are counting on it. Otherwise, they may cry to the Lord against you and you will be guilty of sin. So again, when it's in your power, to, if you hire someone, pay them what they deserve. Jeremiah 22, verses 13 through 17, it says this. Woe to him who builds his palace by unrighteousness, his upper rooms by injustice making his own people work for nothing, not paying them for their labor. He says, I will build myself a great palace with spacious upper rooms. So he makes large windows in it, panels it with cedar, and decorates it in red. Does it make you a king to have more and more cedar? Did not your father have food and drink? He did what was right and just, so all went well with him. He defended the cause of the poor and needy, So all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? But your eyes and your heart are set only in dishonest gain, on shedding innocent blood and on oppression and extortion. In other words, God is saying, hey, look, look at what I've done for your forefathers. When they did what was right, when they treated people right, when they were good and doing what was right and honorable, I blessed them for it. Why not do the same? Why are you trying to take advantage of other people? Malachi 3.5. So I will come to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages. Church, does God take this seriously? He takes this very, very seriously. Okay. Unfortunately, we have to have laws and we have to have all kinds of restrictions and everything to force people to pay us what we deserve. But God says, man, we shouldn't even need that. We should do it simply because we love God and it's the right thing to do. Let me read it again. Malachi 3, 5. So I will come to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. James chapter 5 verses 1 through 4 says this. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of Almighty God. Listen, I want you to know something. God is not against you having beautiful homes, beautiful uh, beautiful things. But if you abuse people or cheat people in order to get those things, that angers the Lord. That grieves God. If you're going to do things, do it right. Do it in a righteous, holy way, and don't do it. Don't do it by causing your neighbor harm or taking advantage of them. A couple more examples. Genesis chapter 31, verses 4 through 7. It says this. So Jacob sent word to Rachel and Leah to come out of the fields where his flocks were. He said to them, I see that your father's attitude toward me is not what it was before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength, 
Yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages ten times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. We're talking about Jacob, one of the founders of the nation of Israel. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one who had those 12 sons, the one that we're referring to right now as we're referring to one of his 12 sons, Joseph. And the Bible says that his father-in-law actually cheated him out of his wages over 10 times. And, and God noticed that, but God protected him and blessed him anyway. Now listen, I want you to know something. Okay, I have a couple of things here. All right, I have here some mustard, okay? I have some yellow mustard. It says on here, net weight 18 fluid ounces. I want you to know something. When I go to the store and I buy this bottle of mustard, I better, I, I, I am not going to be happy unless I get my 18, my full 18 fluid ounces of mustard. If I don't get my 18 fluid ounces, ounces of mustard, I want you to know Pastor Jerry is going to get very, very upset. I have here, now this is liquid, liquid. God says, don't cheat out of liquid measurements. And then he says, don't cheat out of powdered measurements. Right here, I have my Nestle's Quick. You better not cheat me out of my Nestle's Quick. No way. Because I'm going to lose my Christianity over you cheating me out of my Nestle's Quick. I want my full 2.61 pounds of Nestle's Quick powder. You better not cheat me out of my Nestle's quick powder. Otherwise, I'm going to cry out to Jesus and my Jesus is going to defend me because you tried to cheat me out of my Nestle's quick powder. I want you guys to watch this video that I found. How many of you ever gone to get gas in one of those stores that has like a little market to it, attached to it? And you put your gas in and then you put it, maybe you, you put your gas in and you put it on that lock where it just fills up by itself. You guys following me so far? And then to kind of save time, you leave it like that and then you go inside of the store. You leave it in that lock position, okay? So it's filling up with gas. And then you go inside of the store because you want to get a soda or you want to get some hot Cheetos or you want to get a hot dog or something. And so you go in there and so you expect that when that pump goes off, uh, it's just going to go off and your tank will be filled when you get back and, and everything is cool, right? Well, check out what happens here in this video, okay? Praise God. All right, so I'm here at Texaco and uh, I just filled up and the uh, gas nozzle clicked off, but look what's happening. See that? The gallons are still counting up. The, the price is still going up. But there's no gas pumping. This is an indicator that the pump has been tampered with and there's a spinner in there that's cheating people. So, I'm videoing this because it seems but there may be something funny going on. Alright, here's the nozzle. It's still in there. You notice it's clicked off. You see? It's in the off position. It's not pumping. 
right? There's nothing coming through, but this thing is still spinning. So it's robbing people little by little. And this is uh, Texaco, right on the corner of uh, nine. Route 9, and what's what's that over there? I can't even read the street sign. Wonderful. But, you know, it's right across from the Goodwill, coming Georgia. And uh, this thing is still spinning. Uh, this is pump number two. I'll report this to the state. Take care. All right, in case you didn't notice, the pump in the beginning of this video read at $36.65. By the time the video ended, it was $36.72, almost 10 cents more in two minutes. They charged them 10 cents extra. So while he's out in there buying his beef jerky and he's, and he's paying for it and he's shopping around and that pump is supposed to not be pumping anymore, guess what? Every two minutes, that thing is charging him 10 extra cents. How many of you know that that gas station is going to get red tagged by Jesus Christ? Can you say amen, church? Because they are cheating the people. Listen, God takes us very, very seriously. And this leads us to the next verse, which is going to be our conclusion in Colossians chapter four, verses two through four. It says this, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Another thing that we're going to be rewarded for is for prayer. Prayer is very, very important. If you're an intercessor, if you're a prayer warrior, you are going to be rewarded. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 6 says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Listen, I cannot stress to you how important and how critical prayer is in the kingdom of God. And it is so important that God says, I will reward you for it. It is so critical that you and I will pray. We need to find a quiet place in our lives daily. We need to be intentional about making a private time daily to spend with God. We need to make an appointment. Make an appointment or a date with God every day. This is going to be my appointment time with the Lord. And don't let anything interfere with that. Don't let anything get in the way of that. And, and, and because that should be the priority, the most important thing in your life as a Christian. Some of you may say, well, Pastor Jerry, Pastor Jerry, I, I, I don't know what to pray for. I, I don't know what to pray for. Okay. I'm going to tell you what to pray for. Are you guys ready? Are you guys ready to, to know what to pray for? Are you guys ready for those? This is for those who don't know what to pray for. Are you guys, do you have your, get a pencil and a paper and I'm going to tell you what to pray for. Are you guys ready? 
This is what I want you to pray. Write this down, okay? It says, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for Pastor Jerry. Okay? You don't know what to pray for? Well, write that down. Pray for Pastor Jerry. Okay? I'm telling you what to pray for. And then, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for Pastor Julie. And then, I, I want you to write, as Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for Chatsworth Foursquare Church. Lord Jesus, take care of our church. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for Manny and Jamie. Pray for Manny and Jamie. They're looking for jobs right now. They're looking for work. Right, and I pray for them. Okay, listen. If you don't want to pray for yourself and your family, and if you're not motivated to pray for yourself and your family, if you do not consider yourself or your family important enough to pray for, then guess what? Pray for me and my family. Now, I don't know what it's going to take to motivate you to pray. Sadly, unfortunately, usually it takes a good kick in our rear because something has just happened that has devastated us or that has hurt us or that is scaring us or that is stressing us out. And then we start to pray. Sadly, that's just our human nature. That's just our character. That's just part of the, uh, the, the fallen nature of human beings. You guys understand what I'm saying? God is saying, don't wait for a crisis. Don't wait for a, pro- for, for, for a problem. Don't wait to be kicked in your rear before you start to pray. No, you find a quiet place right now before the storm. Before the storm. Whether you pray or whether you don't pray, I'm just letting you know, the storm's coming. The problems are coming. The, the, the struggle is coming. Whether you pray or you don't pray, it's going to happen. But the difference is, if you're speaking and in fellowship and being intimate with God, when those storms come, when those problems come, when those heartaches come, when those dark times come, guess what? You're going to be able to cruise through that because you're going to be at peace with God. You're going to be at peace with God. And you're not going to be thrown left and right and all over the place. Final scripture, and then we're going to conclude. Okay? Final scripture, and then we're going to conclude. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Those of you that are Christians, you should have this memorized. Those of you that are not, I want you to really pay attention to this scripture. It says this. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, it says this. Do not... Be anxious about anything. Another way of saying it is, don't stress out about anything. Don't worry about anything. Don't freak out about anything. But in every situation, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and or praiseworthy, think about such things. Listen, listen, I don't know why it is. It is so easy 
for us to gossip. It is so easy for us to put people down. It is so easy for us to complain. It is so easy for us to verbalize all kinds of negative stuff. Well, God is saying, you know what? Stop that. Stop that. Just stop that. And instead, begin to pray. And begin to be thankful. And begin to keep your eyes out for those that are hurting. Not to talk bad about them, but to pray for them. And to ask God to give them strength. Can you say amen, church? Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to follow these instructions, Lord. Help us to follow these instructions to pray and to watch and to be thankful. Help us to pray and to watch and to be thankful. Help us to pray and to watch and be thankful. Lord, we're not going to get anything out of gossiping or putting people down or comparing or or having attitudes. That's not going to help us, Lord. Help us to pray. Help us to be thankful. And help us to be watchful. So that, Lord Jesus, we will be blessed by you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. I want to give-